0: man that when he didn't have much, he was very faithful in returning his tithe and giving his offering. But as the Lord blessed him, he became quite wealthy. Uh, as I remember it, um, his business was doing millions and millions of dollars. And he decided that returning a tithe was more than was probably needful, that what he was doing was and and I don't think I don't think I'm speaking any millions and millions of heirs in here. I don't think we got multimillionaires in here. The Lord could send those, that's his business, but I mean he could make one of you one of those. I wouldn't I don't want him to do that if he can't trust you with the small things. But what happened is this man as he as the Lord continued to bless him, he began to hold back. And he began to justify the amount he was giving rather than obeying the scriptural responsibility to returning a tenth. He began to rob God according to the scripture. And so I'm not going to talk about offering this morning. You guys know I rarely talk about that. So it's sort of surprising me that I'm talking about it today. But the Lord knows if you want to see God work in your finances learn what it is to be faithful in the returning of the tithe and the giving of an offering and don't do it out of duty do it with a cheerful heart I can tell you when I when I sit down and write out a check for tithe and offering and whatever the lord deals with our heart about giving my wife and I. I almost always hold that check in my hand and I thank God for it. And I pray over it. God, this is all yours. I I'm just returning a portion and you've I pray, God, use it. I, I give it willingly. Don't let me ever begrudgingly give it. Don't let me ever give it like I'm entitled to something. God, this is a gift. I I, I want to do it with a cheerful heart. The Bible says the Lord loves. A cheerful giver. Amen. Praise God. For those of you that were really nervous. I'm I'm done with that now. But if you were really nervous. You probably needed to hear it. Amen. Praise God. You'll never go further with God. Than your faithfulness. Than your faithfulness. And it's not just in our finances, it's in many areas. But again, that's the lesser thing. Praise God. You can be seated this morning. Would you grab your Bible and would you go with me to the book of Acts? I'm going to share something I shared at the beginning of opening the word in the last service together, but I'm going a totally different direction just in case there's some, for those of you that were here in the in the 930 service, you don't check out on me. I was talking with uh, Brother Pedro Guzman uh, a couple of weeks ago. Him and I jumped online together, and we do this periodically. He's in Italy, and he and I were visiting uh, online, uh, just did a Uh, FaceTime call, if you will, for about an hour and a half. We do this periodically. He's a dear brother and friend, and so we enjoy talking about the things of the Lord and what's going on here, and I love hearing what's going on there, and we encourage one another. And uh, Brother Pedro had woken up, he said, one day, and he said the Lord had given him a word. The word that the Lord had given him was responsibility. And uh, I've known him for some time, and quite often, Uh, It's interesting to me to watch through the years the Lord, when he speaks to Brother Pedro, oftentimes speaks with a single word. And then Brother Pedro takes that word, begins digging in the scripture, studying, praying, and letting the Lord continue to open that up and talk to him about that. And so he said he had uh, woken or been praying, and the Lord spoke to him the word responsibility. And so he began to study. He said it was a very quick study, and he learned that the word responsibility is not in the Bible. And so he... It didn't take long to dig and find that out. And uh, so he kept digging and studying because he knew the Lord to quicken that word to him. And he ended up back in, I believe it was the scriptures, but it may have been like a uh, uh, some type of commentary or concordance or something. From the 1500s in Italian. And it was going to the root of the word responsibility, the origin of the word. And it came from a combination of two words. Respond and ability. And in plain terms, he said he realized that responsibility comes from our respond ability or our ability to respond. If I were to say to Brother Azario, Well, here, I'll I'll just example it, okay? So, Brother Zario, would you come here for just a moment? Okay, so his ability to respond, he responded. He acted on his ability, right? He fulfilled responsibility. Now, the question is, thank you. The question is, we determine who and what we respond to. Now, Brother Zario could have said, I'm not responding to Elderheart. Maybe he's upset with me or he doesn't like me or I'm making this stuff up. You understand? Doesn't trust me, whatever. He's got this thing going on. And so he's like, I, I'm going to struggle to respond to him. Right? Responsibility is my ability to respond. And in living for God, there will be times God will bring things to you and you may not understand why we have a respond ability. And we choose whether we respond or not. Responsibility. And sometimes the Lord will bring something, and you know why he's asking you. And sometimes that seems easier. Sometimes that's harder, right? (laughs) I know what he's asking me to do, and I know why, but oh, man. But sometimes he comes and like, I don't even understand. So we want to think it through and analyze it and scrutinize it versus just, do I have the ability to respond? I have the ability. I may not understand, but I have the ability, and I recognize he's speaking to me, so I'm going to respond. There is power in responding to the voice of the Lord. That's activating your faith. That's activating your faith when you respond. Okay? So when God deals with you about something in the Word, you say, Well, I don't understand. I I feel like the Lord, I see it in the Word. God's dealing with me, but I don't understand. Well, do you have the ability to respond? Some people, when they hear about baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, They see it in the Scripture. They recognize the Scripture teaches it. Now they have the ability to respond, but they choose not to respond. They're not fulfilling their respond ability. Does that make sense? And so it is, even once we've been baptized, filled with the Spirit of God, respondability still becomes a part and remains a part of our life. How do I respond to the leading of God? Do I question it, or do I just... You know, if the Lord came to me today and said... And said to me, uh, we were talking about faithfulness in our finance a while ago. If the Lord came to me and said, Joel, I want you to go to the bank. And I want you to take a million dollars out of your account. And I want you to give it to the kingdom. I, I don't have the ability to respond to that. All right. My wife's like, are you hiding something you didn't tell me? No, I I, I don't have the ability to respond to that. You understand? I, I don't have a million dollars sitting in the bank. I So... The Lord's not asking me to respond to something I don't have the ability to respond to. Does that make sense? Responsibility. It's just stayed with me since him and I have talked about that. So I want you, I want to plant that in your heart. Let the Lord do that. Acts chapter number seven. I'm not going to read the chapter. It's 60 verses. But I'm going to tell you the story really quick. In Acts chapter 6, we find the apostles telling the disciples to find seven men full of faith, honest, good report, filled with the Holy Ghost. To appoint over service in the church. And one of them is called Stephen. Stephen. Stephen is mightily used of God, and Stephen begins to, through the Lord, through him does miracles, signs, wonders. Stephen begins to dialogue with the religious leaders of the day, and they can't dispute, the Bible says, the wisdom with which Stephen speaks. Notice Stephen was not one of the apostles. Stephen was, in the description in Acts chapter 6, Stephen was a table server Sometimes we get so caught up in roles that we don't ever just fulfill what God's calling us to do. Stephen was content to be a table server because that's where God had placed him in his function in the body. And so when he was operating in his function in the body, God flowed through him to do miracles, wonders, to speak to religious people of the day. And, and Stephen go, you know what, it's about time you make me an apostle. No, 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 he was walking in his place in the body and fulfilling his function in the body of Christ, and God flowed through him there. We assign things too much to roles, or titles, I should say. There are roles in the body of Christ. Stephen had a role in the body. He was content with his role, and God flowed through him in that place. If he would have stepped into a different role that wasn't chosen of God for him, I believe that flow would have stopped. And so it's important that we let God establish us in our role rather than looking to other titles, roles, positions, those things. But we say, God, what's my role in the body and not just in the local body, but in your body in the earth? And let me fulfill it. Amen. And so Stephen has done so and God's really using him. And then in Acts chapter seven, we see Stephen preaching a message. He's preaching a message to the religious leaders of the day, the scribes and the Pharisees and He's taking them from Genesis all the way through bringing them to Christ and he's telling them of what God has done and trying to help them to see the revelation of the Jesus Christ God in the flesh and and the Holy Ghost is speaking through him and the longer that the Holy Ghost is speaking and he's and the spirit of God through Stephen is coming against the resistance of men in these that are hearing the word of the Lord and he recognizes that he's ministering under the anointing of the spirit of God but he also recognizes the resistance of the spirit of these individuals that are steeped in religiosity and he's pressing against it and he's taking them from Moses and Egypt and Abraham and he goes through Isaac and Jacob and he's walking them on through in the wilderness and the promised land and he's taking them to the prophets and he's he's under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost he's trying to reach into their heart to bring understanding to peel away their resistance to the Lord Jesus Christ that has come and he's teaching this and he's the spirit of God is warring with the spirit of this world in the hearts of those men. It finally comes to a point in verse 51 where the Spirit of God through Stephen declares, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in hearts and ears. And if you were to read the first 50 verses before it, you would realize it was like one of these turns. He was declaring all that God had done and they were agreeing with him in terms of the history But when he brought Jesus into it and was showing that Jesus was the fulfillment of that, he could feel their spirit resisting and bowing. And in a moment, he turned and the Lord that was reaching began to convict and judge. In a moment. and He said, you stiff-necked and you uncircumcised in hearts and ears. You do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do you. He didn't stop there. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they've slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom you have been now the betrayers and murderers. Wow. He's talking about them killing Jesus. He was telling them, and they understood this, Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. He was the Messiah that you've been waiting for. And you killed him and resisted what he was teaching. Well, they were still resistant to that. Because to acknowledge that would be to acknowledge their wrong. So rather than acknowledge that. Skip down. To verse number fifty four. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. Can you picture that? They became so resistant. The spirit of tradition, religiosity, that they were bound by, they became so resistant to the word of God that they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, Looked up steadfastly into heaven. Saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. That's not some second person in the Godhead. He saw the manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ standing in the place of authority. That's the right hand of God. God's a spirit. God doesn't have hands and feet and eyes. and Right? He's a spirit. He saw Jesus, the manifestation of Jesus Christ, standing in the place of authority in heaven. They cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. And the witnesses, watch, the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he, this is Stephen, kneeled down, and he cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Notice Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost. He revealed that he was full of the Holy Ghost. Because when they stoned him, He did exactly what Jesus did when they crucified him. He said, Father, forgive them. The very ones that are destroying me, forgive them. Don't lay this to their charge. The very ones that are throwing the stones right now, forgive them, Lord. He was full of the Holy Ghost. Now, verse 1 of chapter 8. And Saul was consenting unto his death. Now, skip with me over to chapter number 9. Verse number 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. Sounds like a really nice guy, doesn't it? This is the same Saul that was standing by. This was the same Saul that was consenting unto Stephen's death. This was the same Saul. He heard the message of Acts chapter 7. He stood by. The coats of the men that threw stones were laid at his feet. He consented to Stephen dying. This is the same Saul. And Saul, yet breathing out threatening and slaughters against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, desired letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined about him a light from heaven. He fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul. Why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the city. And it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. Saul. Loved God. I want you to let that sink in. Saul loved God. Saul loved the word of God. Saul believed the word of God. Saul desired to do the will of God. But Saul did not do the will of God. Saul's actions showed he didn't have the revelation of the word of God. And Saul's life example that he was fighting against God. He wasn't intentionally trying to, at least he didn't realize it. But God did not kick Saul to the curb. God had a plan for Saul's life if Saul would just respond to God. If Saul would respond. Notice what the Lord said to him when he stopped him on the road to Damascus. He didn't say, he didn't question, he made this statement. He said, It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. Saul, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. What in the world is he talking about? Kick against the pricks. What he was referencing, the people of that time would understand it. Saul definitely would have understood what Jesus was saying to him. When there would be a team of animals that would plow a field, uh, oxen most generally, they would put a pair of oxen in a yoke. And these oxen would plow and if... They would get stubborn, or mules or oxen. They may want to try to back up rather than keep going the direction. And so had, they had this implement, this tool that went behind the animals, but went in front of the plow. And that tool that went across it went. It was the length or, or the width of the animals that did the pulling. And that tool was called pricks. And what would happen is this: it was aptly named, is if the oxen would stop going the direction they were supposed to go and would try to walk backwards, they would kick against those pricks. And when they'd kick against them, they'd realize, whoa, and they'd go the right direction again. Anybody ever drove across those um, spikes? You know, they have those spikes like when you rent a car and you pull out of the facility, they have spikes that you go across them, they press down, and you can ride on out. But if you go the wrong way, it is not good. right? If you go the wrong way, it flattens all your tires and you're going no further. That tells you quickly, I'm going the wrong direction. That's what pricks did. Pricks told these animals that would pull the plow, they were simply to be obedient to the one that was controlling the yoke. Their responsibility was to go the direction of the farmer as he led and directed. But if they got their own head, got their own mind, and tried to go a different direction, they would kick against the pricks. And the pricks would send them the right direction again. When Jesus spoke to Paul, that's what he was saying. He's saying, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. You think you're going the direction that God wants you to go, but what you don't realize is, Saul, your actions are contrary to my will. that's why you're fighting so much. that's why you've got this internal turmoil going on is because you're trying to you say you love God, you say you love His word and those things may be true. but Saul, the direction you're going is not the direction I have for your life. and so what's going on inside of you is you kicking against the pricks. You've got an inner turmoil in your life. You got no peace. You're unstable because you're kicking against the pricks. If you just stop fighting, Saul, I got direction for you. I got plans for your life. If you'll give up the reins and let me me direct your life, Saul, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. Every one of us as human beings in our life. I think if I were to go around this room this morning and ask you individually, I'm not going to do that. But if I were to ask every one of you to an individual, every one of you would say, yes, I love God. If I were to ask you, do you believe the word of God? You would say, yes, I believe the word of God. If I would ask you, do you want to do the will of God? You would say, yes, I want to do the will of God. Me too. We'd all say these things. But as human beings, every one of us. Along the journey have and probably will again periodically. Because we're human. We kick against the pricks. What is that? It's us trying to go our direction. Rather than the direction God would lead us. Daily. Doesn't mean I don't love God. Doesn't mean I don't believe his word. Doesn't mean I don't want his will. It just means I. I'm resisting the direction that God has for my life. And do you understand to resist the direction God has for my life? You say, well, yeah, but I'm not watching people get stoned. And I'm not consenting to people's death. And I'm not not threatening and slaughtering. I mean, I'm not like Saul. Yeah, I'm just like Saul. Because as long as I'm going a direction that's not the direction God wants for me. It means I'm going the direction Saul was, which was contrary to what God desires for my life. It's hard to kick against the pricks. You'll never have peace in your life as long as you're kicking against the pricks. You'll never have true joy and satisfaction in your life as long as. Now, and this is what people do they try to find temporary satisfaction, temporary fulfillment. Temporary joy. Well, this will make me happy. This will. And oh, it may satisfy for a season. But you go that direction for just a little bit longer. And you realize, oh man, I'm still kicking against the pricks. And it, and it didn't satisfy anymore. And it didn't bring joy. It wasn't lasting. Saul was kicking against the pricks. But God. reached to that man drew him to himself because God desired to use Saul for the glory of God. And God would desire to use you and I for his glory and his purpose. And aren't you thankful God didn't, God didn't write Saul off because Saul spent so much of his life kicking against the bricks? God made a way for Saul to get in right relationship with God so God could use him. And God's made a way for you and I to get in right relationship with him so he can use us. I just have to determine I'm done kicking against the pricks. I'm done going a direction contrary to the direction God wants to lead me. I want, here we are, I want to act with responsibility. I want to respond to God with the ability I have to respond Well, but I don't know what to come of it. I don't either, but God knows. Well, but yeah, what if? I don't know the what ifs, but God does. All I can do is respond in my ability. Brother Azario, a while ago, I asked him to come stand. He didn't know if I was going to ask him to do something else after that. He just responded what was in his ability. Then he has to wait for the next thing. Then I said, Thank you. You can be seated. He went and sat down. I didn't ask more of him. He didn't know what the next thing was. He just responded based on what he knew and his ability at the time. And this is what God does with us. Some of you here this morning, you're going, Why can't I go any further in God? I'll tell you why you can't go further. You're kicking against the pricks. He's trying to get you to respond to direction he's already given you in your life. But you're resisting, hoping he'll give you something different. I've learned this with God. He doesn't give you a different direction while he's waiting on you to honor the direction he's already given. I must first act on what he's given me. Notice, the Lord spoke to Saul. We didn't read it. Maybe we did. Uh, No, the Lord spoke to Ananias a little later in that chapter and said, I want you to get up and go to a street called straight. And there in a house, you're going to find a man named Saul. He's praying. He's seeing you coming in a vision. I told him your name. Read it, it's there in verse 11 and 12. He said, he saw you coming in a vision. I gave him a vision of you coming, Ananias. I told him your name in the vision. I let him see you putting your hand on him and praying for him. God did all that with Saul. And then he came and told Ananias. Think about that. God didn't talk to Ananias first. First he gave a vision to Saul told him the man's name, what he was going to do when he was going to come, and what was going to happen. And then he went to Ananias and said, Ananias, you know what? The Lord knew Ananias' respond ability. He had so much faith. God had so much faith in Ananias responding that he spoke to the sinner about what was going to happen before he spoke to the child of God to do it. That's respondability. The Lord did not get pleasure out of watching Saul kick against the pricks. He had a plan for his life, just like he has a plan for mine and your life. For his plan to be fulfilled in my life, I have to be willing to yield to the direction he gives me for my life. Now, our human nature wants to go, Well, yeah, but what about Brother Azario? Or, Yeah, but what about Carlos? Or, What about? And we want to, What about? What about? Well, no, the direction for my life is different than for your... I'm not talking about the plan of salvation, you understand. We all need to repent. We all need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's Scripture. We all need to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues as God's Spirit gives us the utterance. That, that That's basic, foundational, fundamental. I'm not talking about that plan for our lives. That plan is... I'm talking about how God will use us in his kingdom will be different for every one of us. So I can't look at my brother or sister and say, yeah, but how come? No, no, no. What is God telling and asking of you? And I promise you, whatever he's asking, he's asking you something that he knows you have the ability to respond to. That doesn't mean he knows you have the ability to produce something. Just the ability to respond. And then he can produce. That's his business. Ananias did not cause Saul's eyes to be open. He didn't have that ability. He knew that. He just simply responded to God's request. And then God did the work through him. The Lord is waiting on you and I to respond. But it's hard to kick against the pricks. Watch this this morning. When Saul, when Ananias responded to God. And then Saul was, eyes were open. He was filled with the spirit. Saul responded to God. And Saul dedicated his life To responding to God. He had, do you think the Lord knew what he was saying when he stopped him on that road? Absolutely, he did. He knew exactly what he was declaring to Saul when he said, It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. And he was preparing Saul for what he had been preparing him for his whole life to no longer go his own direction but to wholeheartedly with everything in him go the direction that the Lord Jesus Christ would lead him. And so Saul had to know what the opposite looked like and felt like so that he would never again do his own will, but by the grace of God he would do God's will in everything he did. And we see, I don't think anywhere in Scripture we ever see a man like Saul, also called Paul, who gave himself so fully and completely to doing the will and the work of God. Why? Because he'd known what it was to kick against the pricks. He's like, I don't want to experience that ever again. I don't want to go my own direction in life ever again. I saw what that did. I'm sure he remembered Stephen being stoned. That image probably stayed in his mind. It's very interesting to me. You look later in the book of Acts, you find the apostle Paul preaching the gospel. And in his preaching, he begins to quote a part of Stephen's message. It got in his heart. It affected him. It affected him. He didn't want to kick. He didn't want to go his own direction any longer. He just wanted to go the direction God intended. And this man, that many of us would say, well, he watched him be stoned. He consented. He slaughtered. He asked. He got letters to slaughter and bind. He threw people in prison. God can't use him. God had a plan for him. And when he turned and responded to God. God was ready to wipe all of that under the blood of the lamb of Jesus Christ and use Saul who we now know as Paul one of the greatest missionaries of his day wrote over half of the New Testament and more than half of what he wrote he wrote from a prison cell He was just committed to no longer kicking against the pricks. Whatever direction you have for my life. That's what I want, God. However you want to use me. That's what I want, God. Would you stand with me here this morning? Tell you, what I, tell you what I hear in the Holy Ghost. There are individuals in this room right now, whereas the Lord is talking to us about these things, for some of you, there are very specific things coming to your mind where God has dealt with you and you have not responded and you've continued doing your thing. I don't know what that is. I just know what I am feeling in the Holy Ghost. There are very specific areas for some of you. I'm not saying all of you, but for some, it's like a very single. I, I feel this so clearly. For some of you, it's a very singular thing that... That if I came and told you, if I knew, I don't. But you'd be like, yep, I I know already. You already know a specific thing that God has been dealing with you about. And you just have not responded. You're kicking against the pricks. The love of God. The love of God. That's what reached to Saul. The love of God this morning is reaching to you. He's telling you it's hard for you. It's not hard for God. It's hard for you. So there's some that that very singular thing, I encourage you in the Lord. Stop kicking. Can I say it that way? Stop kicking. That's sort of babyish, isn't it? Stop kicking against the pricks. You say, but I don't know. I I, I realize you don't know, but I promise you whatever God's directing you to is better than anything you're trying to do yourself. Stop kicking. Just go, okay, Lord. Respond in your ability and then let the supernatural ability of God take over for everything else. Now, that's one element. The other element is broader than a single thing. Your life is one where you're just going your own direction with your whole life. You give God room and place and space, but you haven't given him your life. With your life, you're kicking against the pricks. and God in his love today is drawing you. Saying, hey, it's hard for you to do this. But what he would do in your life is easy. He would deliver you from the bondage of sin. The bondage of fear. The bondage of torment of your mind. The bondage of no peace, whatever. The bondage of all that this world brings. If you would just stop kicking against it. Stop trying to go your direction. And say, yes, Lord, I may not understand. But by your grace, I'm going to respond to your direction. By your grace, God, I'm going to respond to your direction. Would you begin to talk with him right now? Where you are. Come on, talk with him. Let the love of God, just like it reached to Saul, that it reached to you this morning. In the name of Jesus. And if you're one of those individuals that a very specific thing from the Lord has been dealing with your heart, would you now don't. Don't do it just because we're talking about it. But if you, between you and God, could willingly and honestly say, Lord... Today, I'm making that move, that direction. I'm I'm done withholding. I'm done questioning. I'm done resisting. I'm done kicking, Lord. That area that you've been dealing with me about, today, I'm making a decision. Today, I'm making a choice. Uh, Today, I'm choosing to go your direction. I'm choosing to release my own will. I'm choosing to release... My own desire. I'm choosing by your grace to stop kicking against the pricks, Uh, acknowledging that your love for me and your direction for my life is greater than any direction I could choose, Lord. I need you. I need you. I desire you, Lord. And today, by your grace, I will respond to your word, to your spirit, to your drawing. I want to be used of you. I want my life to be wrapped in you. I want my life to be hidden in you. I want to abide in you, Lord. And so by your grace, I will respond. By your grace, I will respond. In every area from the least to the greatest that you deal with my heart, where you use men and women of God, and I hear the witness of the Holy Ghost, I will respond jesus that my life could be a vessel as the apostle paul was in whatever way you choose in whatever direction you have for my life in the name of jesus in the name of jesus Hallelujah, hallelujah, come on, talk with him, talk with him this morning, I'm opening this altar to you, I know we don't often do that sometimes in this environment, but I'd like to today, I'd like to open this altar to you this morning to respond.